This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Andre DePuisto. I'm the founder of Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. All right, well, we got Dan on the line. And I started thinking, I probably shouldn't have shared those pictures. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we got Don Higgins on. Um, anything that's got to do with uh, chasing big deer, I've got my hands in it somehow. So. Well, my name's John Eberhardt. The first one that comes to mind was early in my career. I'm Scott Buckley from Iowa. Um, I had jumped him in the summer, too. He jumped up in that swamp grass down in the bottom lake. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm chasing it. There ain't nothing stopping me. Justin Hollinsworth, I'm with Whitetail Addictions and uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. So what are we talking about tonight? We're, uh, we're talking about the one that got away. They talked about a deer that you didn't get it done on for some reason. Um, so uh, go ahead and get into the story of the one that got away. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming at you with episode two of the One That Got Away series, and we're talking with Scott Buckley this week, guys. Um, he's at hunting an absolute legendary drop-time buck. Um, got other people hunting with him, hunting publics out there trying to get it done on this deer, too, and uh, he's just out there doing the best he can and ends up, you know, letting it get away, and he talks talks at the end of what he would do different. Pretty cool, um, you know, hearing that, and he he's a hell of a whitetail hunter, hunting Iowa public and traveling around, getting it done on multiple different pieces and states so um you guys are really going to enjoy this episode let's get into the people that make this possible we'll get into the show um let's start off with last breath tv yeah guys uh we're obviously out here Holy hunting smokes. trying to get it done 
And uh, one thing that we're trying to do each time we go out and hunt is update you guys about our set that we're going to go put in, whether it be um, on public, public or private. Uh, we're going to try to update you guys through the Last Breath stories and um, also our stories on Instagram and uh, maybe TikTok if you're on TikTok. So um, check out them and be sure to give all of them a uh, follow. All right. You got Exodus. Yeah. The October checklist for your choke cameras are... Um, uh, given here by Chad from Exodus and uh, they are to be shifting some cameras around here to the food sources that are going to be coming. Um, your hard mass are going to be your white oak or yeah, your white acorns and your red acorns. And then, um, don't forget about that soft mass, uh, your pear trees and your apple trees. And then, um, also if you are able to do it, uh, don't forget, uh, you probably already have the cameras there, but, uh, also on your bait piles and on your food plots. All right. I'm going to hit you with under warmer this week. Um, this, this product's not only great for hunting, but it's also great for football games, sledding with the kids, going ice fishing, camping. Um, I was thinking um, it'd be a great gift for your wife to keep her warm. If you're, you know, you got a sledding trip playing with your kids or um, maybe you could say, hey, I'm going to, I bought you these. And then if she don't use them, you can just use them for hunting. You know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I got you some stocking stuffers, babe. Right? And then. Um, this is so you can stay warm and, and, uh, but yeah, I could see it for like, imagine going to like a football NFL football game and you had that sucker on, you'd mm -hmm. be like, hell yeah, I'm You're good right. for 12 hours. I'm solid. I can, you know, I can tailgate and make it to the game and be warm as hell. So, but you can find out more about them at underwarmer.com. All right, guys, next level, uh, we're getting ready to shift it to the fall and winter feed pellets. Um, one thing about this product is they, is it does contain a little less protein than the spring and summer formula, but it still has the ideal amount for adult deer. Um, it does have increased fiber content over the spring and summer formula and the same great benefits as the summer mix, including um, five sources of protein, vasodilators, prebiotics, and probiotics, along with that yucca shigadera. And I think I nailed that. So uh, be sure to get your order in there at nextlevelgear.com. Nice. All right. I got right on, right on optics. Um, I want to talk about their unlimited lifetime warranty. We've mentioned it a couple of times, but uh, I just want to read what, what they promise with this warranty. I think it's pretty incredible. So with service at the core of everything we do at right on, we provide the best warranty on all of our products. Our unlimited lifetime require, warranty requires no proof of purchase or registration. If you have an issue with your optic, you send it back to us. With the warranty claim form, you fill out on their website, and we replace it with a brand new product. You will not receive any repair or refurbished product from Rideon. We also committed to sending out the replacement product within 48 business hours. So you can find out more about RideonOptics.com. But, I mean, if you drop your binos, and you can have that in 48 business hours replaced, I mean, that's pretty incredible from when you fill out that form. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can get back in the game or you got it, you know, you're out hunting with a scope and this is kind of like your go-to scope and it's messing up and you're set, you know, doing that final check before season, you can have something in 48 business hours. So pretty badass, you know, warranty and they're not sending you anything refurbished or replaced. It's just, they're going to send you a brand new scope and, and chuck the old one. So. All right. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee, if you guys want to use the code Whitetail Legacy, get you 20% off your order and uh, monthly packs there. So don't forget about that. And also, if you are in the need for some new camo or um, the cold weather is right around the corner, if you want to get into a pirate suit, we do have a discount available for you guys. Just hit us up uh, via social media. We can get that to you. 
All right, guys. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys. We got yep. a special guest on the line. We got Scott Buckley. How you doing tonight, Scott? Good. How's it going, fellas? Doing awesome talking to you, man. Uh, we, we had a nice conversation uh, like a week ago or, you know, five days ago or so about Whitetail. It was nice to chit-chat with you and I've been excited to, to pick your brain on this topic. Yep, great. Yep, I'm Scott Buckley from Iowa. Um, originally come from Michigan 12 years ago and um, decided to take up Iowa as my home residence and love it here ever since I came out. So, um, yep. So what are we talking about tonight? We're, uh, we're talking about the one that got away. We kind of we kind of broke down this series for you, trying to talk to the guys out there that are just stone cold stone killers and, and that's that's you man you're always getting it done no matter where you go you're hunting public and uh your kids you know you're teaching your kids how to get it done so i'm really excited to talk to you and you shared some pictures with us and an absolute just astonishing drop time buck so just kind of go and go into the story of the the drop time buck okay this is um I think it was in uh, spring of 2016. Um, at the time, I was hunting a lot of public land in Iowa, and I still do, even though since then, it was 2015, I bought a um, good piece of property out here in Iowa, too. But I still um, hunt a lot of my same public land pieces. Um, you know, if I don't have the buck I'm after on my farm, I, I take off to all my public pieces. And um, this was... 2016 I we were um shed hunting me and my boy we never shed hunted this spot um it was kind of by a main road and there was a campground kind of next to it and I thought well it looks like good bedding winter bedding in there um had a lot of cedars and grassy areas and I thought let's just give it a wing and you know see if we find anything in here and I drove by it a million times never hunted there or and um, we went in there right off the bat. I found a um, shed. I think he had five on one side, including a ten and a half inch drop tine, and um, one of the bigger sheds I've probably ever found. And I said, "Wow!" I took. I think I was by myself. I took it back. Yeah, because my boy. Yeah, I was by myself that day, so I took it back, showed him. And um, we both went out the next day looking for the other side. And probably an hour or two later, we found the other side. I would say 300 yards from the other one. And that one had just a, just as big of a rock. Instead of like a drop tine, his main beam dropped way down. And um, I took him to the Iowa Deer Classic. He scored, um, I think it was about... 161 somewhere in there if i'm not mistaken so i figured you know he was well over 170 buck at the time and actually he took i think it was second place in the shed division that year for non-typical and um so immediately yeah we were on a mission to find out more about this deer <laughs> so um I was pretty geeked. Yeah, immediately that, I don't know if it was probably May, June, um, started setting out cameras in that area. I found a shed. Just hoping, you know, to, to find them and, and, you know, see if I could 
figure them out. And I think almost immediately, I, I, I would assume by June or July, I started getting pictures, a lot of pictures. And his frame had shrunk a little bit from the day, from the year before, but he got a lot more junk. He still had the, the drop tie the drop beam. He had um, flyers off the back. I think they were five, six inches long. On each side, he had flyers. I don't remember his total points, but he had a lot of them. I was getting pictures and video and on a consistent basis through July, August. Um, one day in checking cameras, um, I jumped him out of his bed, and he was probably he was within sight of this campground that was full of people. It was a summer season. He was sitting within probably 80 yards bedded in this spot. And I know he could just watch the campers. I mean, that tells you, you know, kind of some bucks, you know, they're, you know, they say you, you got to go deep for bucks, but this buck lived right by human, you know, human presence. And, and, um, you know, he just not, not, nobody knew he was there except me. And, um, so yeah, I continued to get pictures and that told me he was betting in the same spot all summer. He'd come from there. And so I was kind of all set up, had spots marked on, um, my Onyx maps for, um, hanging hunts, um, you know, come October 1st. And, um, I think I started, I went in there right away, October 1st and started haunting them and, I never did see him in the early season. Every time I'd pull a camera, he was at this spot where I was going to set a blind. He just kept eluding me for the first couple weeks of October. I probably went in there three, four times, five times after him in a couple weeks in the time I had, and I didn't want to burn it out. And I think it got to about the middle of October, and a um, friend of mine, Aaron Warbritton, from the hunting public, um, I'd shared pictures with him earlier that summer of the, of that buck. And, um, he called me up and he said, Scott, I think we've seen that buck last night. And me and his film guy, he was with Midwest Whitetail then they were doing an observation set and they seen it coming out of a bedding area on the other side of the slough from where I was hunting them. And, um, he wondered if he could sit in there the next night and I said well hey I got an early muzzleloader tag and I've been hunting them why don't we just go in there and hunt them together the next night and he said sure and um, so he came in from the east they kayaked in and um, kind of got set up where he came out the night before out of this bedding area and I cut across the slough I came in from the north and kind of came in on the on this ridge. Kind of me and Aaron was in between them, on each side of where he came out the night before. And um, yeah, he never came out. So <laughs> we heard a lot of shooting up and shooting up in there in the public land up above him. I think on the opposite road. And I don't know if he just got a little spooked. Aaron had some snorting in by him and. Um, don't know what happened, but yeah, he never came out. So, um, I proceeded to hunt kind of in November. My cameras just kind of went dead on him in that spot. 
early October where I had pitchers up and they went dead in there. And I picked up a couple night pitchers across the slough where, where Aaron had seen them um, kind of by one of my stand locations. So I hunted in there a couple times, um, passed up a couple no- other nice bucks, but didn't see him. Uh, there was another huge um, 10 point in there. I think he had two splits. I figured him easily 170 plus. So I had a lot of pictures of that one too. I figured, you know, if he, if the drop time one didn't come by me, I would sure take that one out. But I had jumped him in the summer too. He jumped up in that swamp grass down in the bottom, like 20 yards from me one day. I was out checking cameras and he was a heck of a buck. But so. Yeah, I kind of hunted them a couple times there in November, no luck, and and then I just kind of gave up on them, and and um, I think I I think I was hunting my property a little bit. My property was new that year, first of all, hunting it, and um, just kind of gave up on him, and because um, gun seasons were coming on, and. And I didn't, I used my early muzzleloader tag at the time. I, you were allowed one gun tag for statewide tag in Iowa. Um, and I, but since then I have a landowner's tag too. So I can actually get two gun tags, but so yeah, it, um, let me see. So yeah, I kind of season, season went on and, um, the end of January, it was after after late season. Our season closes January 10th. Um, I think it was the following day or two, or that following weekend after all the season shut down, I got a bag of corn, and I went back in there to put it out to see if I could pick up, see if he made it through the seasons. And, well, as I'm taking that bag of corn out, I seen something out in that slough just kind of out in the grass, maybe 200 yards out. It just, it just didn't look right out there. And um, just something was out of place. I kind of re- remind me of seeing a like a, a skeleton with a rack or something out there because it wasn't moving. It was just watch kind of as I walked by, it just stayed right there. So I put that bag of corn down and my backpack with cameras in, and, and I decided, well, let's go out there and see if it's a dead deer out there. I didn't make it out there 50 yards and up blew that buck. It was the buck I, it was a drop time buck that I'd been after. He was laying down out there in a slough. I kind of see his rack out there in the grass and I'd say it was him. And, you know, it was just a, I think it was a day or two after season and, um, he'd survived. And, um, so yeah, I proceeded, went back, put some corn out, put cameras on it and, checked him the following weekend and there he was he was he was all over my cameras and um proceeded uh every weekend i'd put out a little bit more corn and i actually had him and i had that big 10 point coming in with the splits and they but they both survived and um i i was kind of going to check cards every weekend because the year before i think i found his sheds in february so they say Usually they'll drop pretty close to the same time every year unless, you know, an injury or, um, you know, it's a really hard winter. They might lose them early. But so I was keeping a close eye on them come February. 
if he dropped, I was going to immediately start looking for his sheds. Because um, I knew one other guy. I think I'd seen stands in there, might have been after him. So I thought, well, as soon as I, you know, if he was coming in every day almost, as soon as I see a buck with sheds, I'm going in look for sheds. Well, here it come. It was within, I think, three, four days of the year before the date I found him. I went in that following weekend, and there's a buck with no horns. And um, so I called my buddy, Steve Noble, and um, I said, hey, this buck lost his horns. Um, if you got time, let's go out and just start grid searching this area, see if we can find them. And he said, uh, I think he said, yeah, but it'd be two, three hours or something like that. Well, so I started looking. I wasn't an hour into the look. Here goes another little twist in this story. And um, I heard a four-wheeler quad back in the public area, and you're not allowed quads back in this area. And um, I could tell he was, he passed by me pretty close in the brush. I could tell he was looking for horns just the way he was moving through there. And um, so I immediately got on the phone with a conservation officer, and I said, hey, there's a guy in here on a quad. <coughs> um you know, running through the public land, I assume shed hunting. And he said, okay, I'm at so-and-so. I should be there in 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> and um, so I'm kind of just hanging out, you know, listening to this guy work the area. And and, um, and all of a sudden I see him or I hear him kind of working his way towards the road. And I, I, I called, or I think I texted, or called the CEO, and then I he didn't answer. I, I taxed him, and he said, I'm just a couple minutes away. And then I heard that quad go burning down the blacktop towards this little town. And I thought, oh, shit. So the, finally the CEO answered, and he goes, I just pulled into the um, west parking lot. And I said, did you see him? He said, no, I came from the west. He just missed him. And they never caught the guy. But and then afterwards, you know, during season I found stands back there with corn on. The guy was I assume the same guy trying to you know, he was that was illegal in Iowa and um so anyway, yeah, we shed hunted that day and my buddy Steve came. I think we shed out at five, six hours and all of a sudden I found one of the sheds. And you talk about a happy camper, you know, find the had that much history with them, and, and there's one of the sheds laying there. And and um, we proceeded to look for the other one. We went across a slough where we were Aaron had seen them and um, just searched that whole area. That was the only one we found. Uh, another little twist in the story about, oh, I think it was two springs later, um, Aaron or somebody sent me a text and I later seen it on a hunting public video that Ted, Ted was back in there, Ted and the cameraman, uh, Ted from the hunting public, he was back in there turkey hunting and they seen something. This was across the slough, like right where Aaron seen him come out of this bedding area two falls before. Um, they seen a horn sticking out of the creek, the mud, and they pulled it out. And there's the other side to that rack that, Jeez. you know, the, the, set uh you know the one that i had found it laid there in the mud for a year and a half almost two years but yeah so that was pretty cool so we went over ted's here just this last i think this last fall and we was checking it out but um 
so yeah, I was kind of geeked about the next season. You know, he'd survived, and um, it started putting the cameras out like normal. You know, everywhere that I had them the year before, and um, I don't know. I set out six, eight cameras in that area, and um, nothing. I I checked cameras through. Right, first of October, first week of October, um, not a single sighting of them. Um, don't know what happened. We had a little bit of EHD because we had a drought that summer, and it wasn't bad. But so I wondered if that got them. Um, maybe a car got them. I I don't know. Um, he just disappeared on us, and so I kind of was after two other big ones. Um, really big ones that fall, and I've ended up pulling my cameras. I think the, by the second week of October, I pulled them and was concentrating on this other area. But um, yeah, just uh, disappeared. So that's kind of a you know basic story of the buck that got away. You know, he was he was. I thought I had him pinned to a T. Knew everything about him and and um his summer bedding and you know we even october bedding across the slough and he just he slipped by me but um yeah it sounds like you I were guess, right on him man i mean they did you they, yeah they did have an encounter with him in two years of sheds and you're really that next summer you're like all right i got two years of history with this thing two yeah. two years of sheds this is the year this i'm is, gonna this is go time this is the year i'm gonna put it all together and then for him just to vanish but that's devastating you're going yeah. in there that carpool you're just like all right where's he at where's he at where's he at <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i thought i you know i ain't too often you know i knew exactly where he bedded everything and just totally disappeared I, I thought it you know the all the knowledge i got from the year before i thought this is going to be a cakewalk you know i um you know if i don't get him early season i knew where he had it in the you know in the rut area and, and yeah he was one of the most unique bucks i've ever i've ever chased that's for sure he um yeah it, those, it just pretty those trail cam videos, yeah, go ahead. You, those trail cam videos you sent in the sheds and stuff. I was like, man, this is insane. I, I, a buddy of mine killed one in Missouri that had a the main beam kind of just droop off. Remember you seen that Ben? Mm-hmm. But it was only like maybe four four inches. The main beam just kind of went straight down. That sucker went down forever. It looked <laughs> seemed like you know. Yeah. And then he had that flyer that drop on the other time and the flyers and kickers and had a lot yeah. going on. And kind of like a cool, tighter frame, you know? It was tall, tight, yeah. with a lot of character, so. That's the way it was the, that that year. It was tighter, but the year before when I found his sheds, he had a pretty good size, really big frame. I don't, I think he was a really old buck. Um, just by, I don't know, his body features. He just, you know, some pictures I had, he had a big old, you know, husky body and and most of the time he looked pretty wore down um i and just the way his rack was the year before his frame was a lot bigger and then it kind of shrunk down so i think he was uh, you know on the verge of going downhill yeah we got um, a buck like that every year his body gets a little worse he gets more like giraffe looking neck kind of gets 
skinnier and longer and legs get looking like they're getting longer because he's losing that mass and then his rack just keeps dwarfing yeah so crazy how imagine that thing in its prime you know <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah i wish i would uh you know that year i fought, found the first ones i wish i hunt him that year he had a he had a hell of a frame that year but it's crazy um, that a deer can make it on public you know with all the gun seasons and everything and that guy you know you know using a four-wheeler and baiting during season and then he makes it for, through a full year. Just blows me away yeah. that these deer can do that. Yeah, let alone like seven years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was another thing. I think it was opening It was opening day or opening weekend, whatever it was. Um, the first day I hunted him, I'm sitting there saddled in. I'm pretty excited. You know, I'm right on the edge of his batting, and I thought, you know, please come this way tonight. <laughs> and, um, shoot, I wasn't about hour and a half for dark i hear a dog off in the distance and getting closer and closer like a hound dog type bark you know and and um not a few minutes later here comes a dog trolling through the area barking away and that just ruined my night we don't have a huge dog problem in the area i live but it happened that night you know your your first night in that stand in that setup and and um, here comes a dog right at prime time. And <laughs> I hate that. We had that happen, but with a coyote last year. That was the weirdest oh, yeah. thing ever. We're getting prime time, beautiful night. We're sitting over a hot scrape. We're like, oh, yeah, this is this is it, late October. And this coyote comes in, and I don't know if he pegged it, us. It was making the weirdest what, noises. But it sounded like a beagle, like barking. And I thought it was a beagle, but it was just like whining. And whining, and it would go 50 yards, and it'd do this, like, squealing, whining thing. And we didn't see anything that night. It was the weirdest thing ever. But we were like, for the longest time, we had uh, no idea what it was. And then a coyote popped out and continued to do it as it was, like, trotting by us. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so something, yeah. something startled it, or it seen uh, I don't know what was going on, but it was definitely weird. But that definitely would ruin the night, especially when you have all that intel. You're like, all right, I'm going in for the kill. The first person in here, yeah. very few people know it's alive. And did the guys, you cut, you showed them the picture and stuff, but they did they ever think that that deer would be on the other side of that slough? The hunting public guys over there hunting it, or did they what? Did they ever think it would be over there? Was it a pretty big surprise that it was over there when they were hunting? Yeah, yeah, they they didn't have a clue. They seen my pictures, but I never told them where it was at. They were just doing a random scouting trip. You know, they just set up different places and do their observation sets and um yeah they had no clue and then they seen it come out and and they were kind of reviewing the footage later on when they got home that evening and they're supposed god that looks like the deer that scott sent us last year you know the shed or i think i might have sent them pictures that summer too i probably did them ones i sent you yeah and he called me and I said he told me where he was at. I said, "Yep, that's the buck." <laughs> well, props to them so, for calling you and, yeah. and you know saying, "Hey, we're yeah, I know." Let's yeah, do it Aaron, Aaron could have went. Aaron could have went in, not even said anything. But that's why I've all we've had a pretty good relationship, and um, you know they could have just didn't say a word to me. You know, just went in after it. But he he wanted to make sure you know that he brought it up to me and that's just the way they are most of them guys are you know just 
really great guys and i'm pretty good friends with um with most of them and nice yeah that's, that's um, the best way to do it i mean a guy's got a buck pinned down you want to hunt him too but you could say hey man you, you, is it cool if i slide on in there <laughs> so yeah but yeah that, that's kind of what i said yeah i said i'm in the middle of hunting on my because aaron wanted to go in there and i said well heck i'm in the middle of hunting them why don't we tag team him because he told me the situation he said yeah that worked great <laughs> and then i think after that i said well <laughs> from where you've seen that box i have stand setups um you know, to the west of that. I said, how about I stay to the west and you guys stay to the east, you know, if you come back in here. And I think at the time, Aaron said, well, we, we bounce around a lot, you know. He goes, you know, if we come back in, you know, we're not going to hunt this buck, but, you know, we might come back when the conditions are right. And I think they did go back there two or three times after, but um, they never seen him again. But I think they did. um I think they did see a nice buck that night, but it wasn't the one. They got they got set up in a um, kind of in a ditch. They didn't have the best setup. They were on the they didn't want to set their stands up because it, it was a pretty still night and um, it, and they were real close to the bedding area. So um, I think he just said they kind of sat in a ditch and I, and I think they seen a nice one, but it winded them or something. I don't know, but it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the buck. Yeah. They're good at that ground game, but man, it's, that's a, that's a different world when you're down there. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's how I killed my buck last year on the ground. I, um, so I was hunting one of my spots and I was just getting pounded by pressure. I, I was after a, actually I, kind of made a dumb move last year i had a picture of a six by six one picture of him kind of a far my camera was up high in a tree and he was down below and her wait i don't think i pulled the camera until after i seen this deer anyways yeah i was going in deep to this one spot i think it was um maybe third week of october yeah i think third week of october and um i had a six by six and he had a split i seen him working in it's getting it's getting pretty you know losing light and i seen him working in and i'm trying to glass him um to see if he was a shooter or not it was early you know early in the season and i i just didn't want to make a mistake and you know i've shot one smaller than what I, what i wanted before you know that happens and so I, he's coming in i'm trying to judge him and he, i keep hitting the blocklers he looks pretty good he got about i think 25 yards in my shooting lane and and then i'm just i'm fighting with myself do i shoot him or don't i shoot him do i shoot him or don't i shoot him and then um I let him walk through that opening, and then I'm still watching him in the brush. He's pretty, you know, 25, 30 yards. He's going a little bit further. He goes under some oaks. By then, it's getting pretty dark out. And and um, as he walked through, I'm thinking, oh, man, he sure did look big. And I pulled the camera. That's when I pulled my camera um, not far from there, and I had a picture and a video. Of mine. I said, man, did I screw up. <laughs> that deer was probably... Yeah, easy, you know, one sixty some deer. It was a six by six with a split. Um, 
yeah, it's a, probably the biggest one I've ever passed, you know, that On the if edge I had a second chance, I would have took them. <laughs> so I went back in there, you know, the next weekend, and I was mainly hunting weekends, and, and uh, or no, I think I went back in. The next night I couldn't go in because um, of the wind, so I went back in the following night, wind switched. I didn't see him that night. And then um, I think I went back in the following, and then I run into some other guys that were set up kind of right where that buck was coming through, except where they were set up with a tree stand. I mean, you couldn't, you were in the middle of their feed area. You could not play the wind. I was hunting the edge of it. So I knew any buck in there, you know, he was going to, you know, educate the deer really fast. And and he kind of screwed it up in there and never. You know, after that, I kind of pulled out of there. I did leave some cameras in there, and I picked them up two, three times in the rut. In fact, I think pretty late I had them in the rut. Like the end of November, he made it through all the bow seasons. and um, <clears throat> But I kind of pulled out of there and went to this other spot where I killed a double drop time buck. First year I moved to Iowa in 2009, I killed a double drop buck that scored 170 um, on public. In 2009, I went back in that area and just kind of walked back in. I hadn't been back in there in a few years. I, I, I posted my boy. He went in. He went in with me, kind of closer to the road, about a half a mile in. Then I did a big circle around, um, come up this ridge where I killed that drop time buck a few years ago, and kind of sat down in, in a cluster of trees. This is a morning hunt i think it was november hmm. i don't know it's fairly early this year eighth or ninth i think eighth or ninth um i think it was around there yeah and um i sat down and i would say an hour in the daylight i look up i hear something here comes this buck cruising through at a pretty good clip he came about 25 yards and and um i was on the ground and he um, pulled my bow back. He seen me, but it was too late. I zipped him good, and he I seen him run through the open timber and kind of he crashed about probably 100, 100 yards away, and uh, it was pretty exciting. He was he was he's probably pushing 160 inch deer. Real, I didn't score him, but took him to my texture. We haven't got him back yet, but real heavy mass. Um, I don't even remember. It's it was on my profile picture there for a while. It's like he five by seven frame, maybe with a some extra junk points or something. But nice. yeah, it was pretty cool. I was pretty stoked for just walking back in and sitting on the ground, you know. Yeah, it's badass. <laughs> so you can just be like, well, I killed a giant back in here in the past. It's probably good, and go back in there and pick the right area to to smack one. So hopefully one day I can yeah. get on that level. <laughs> Definitely got a lot of a <laughs> lot of training to do, a lot of mess ups to happen out there before I can get on that level. But so I mean, yeah, um, it's been we, pretty pretty exciting out here. I love it. it I, I live for it. You know, it's we only hear good things exciting. about Iowa. No one's like, man, Iowa, <laughs> yeah, terrible out here. <laughs> Whitetails are terrible. <laughs> so yeah, we normally ask yeah, you know, what not... what would you could do different on that deer, but I don't think there's really um, anything you could do different because. 
you know, two guys yep. hunting him on the entrance and exit. and Probably the only thing I thought about it, you know, I gave up on that buck kind of November when gun seasons came around. And I was out of statewide gun tags, but, you know, you can still hunt with a bow here late season. And I was hunting my property quite a bit. It was brand new that year. And, and I probably, I usually pull my cameras going into gun season. Um, I used to more cause I used to put them all at ground level. Now I hide them up in trees. So I leave them sometimes for gun seasons, but I pulled them all that year. And if I would have left them or even now, you know, I'm start this year, I actually put a couple cheaper cell cameras out on public land. Um, but got pretty good. I got service with them, and they're the cheap ones. So, you know, if they get stolen. But, yeah, if I would have had to put a cell or even run cameras and knew he was in there late season because um, he kind of migrated back into his summer beddings or, you know, after season I put the corn out to see if I could pick him up, and he was right in that summer bedding area. And um, yeah. probably what I could have. If I would have done a different, kept put cameras back out in late season because our late season lasts like three weeks. I mean, I was surprised how quick I picked them up after after season. And I immediately started getting pictures of them. You know, I could have possibly, you know, hunted them late season with my bow, and you know, he would have been back into probably a more of a normal pattern. Um, it's hard when they probably worry. Yeah, probably, you know, late muzzleload season probably wouldn't have been too much pressure where he was at. Now, gun season is there in public, but, you know, he outsmarted all them people, and he probably, that's probably the only thing I would have did different was, you know, but I was excited to try my own property that yeah, year. Yeah, you know, that, late that'd season be hard and, to pass, especially you know. if you had bucks out there and it's your own property your first year, and you're like, man, I just want to yeah. kind of try it out here. Yeah, so I yeah, I think I had my landowner's tag. That's what I was using on my own place was my landowner's tag, which I had for late season because I took the early season muzzleloader um, well, that year for my statewide tag. But well, while you were hunting this deer, is there any anything that you used kind of as a tactic, even with a trail cam or hunting him, that you've used on other deer? Um, since then that that's kind of connected dots be like oh yeah that buck did this um i guess i kind of do the same thing i just like i've been starting to put out some trail cams the last couple weeks on on public lands i mean your own property is all kind of different you got your set places but (laughs) when i'm in um public land i um just start hitting um, well-used trails, kind of try to get down. Um, like, it's pretty hilly a lot of the areas I hunt. So normally they're not up in the hills too much. They're more down in these river bottoms and creek bottoms where, where it's cooler. They'll bed right right along these, um, um, you know, grassy areas, a bunch of will, small willows growing out there. They'll bed in them, and, and I try to you know, get my cameras down in some of them areas. Um, mineral is, you can put mineral out in Iowa. You just can't hunt anywhere near it, nowhere around it. And, you know, I, I used to do that more. Um, I don't do that as much anymore. Um, 
just <laughs> stuff's heavy to carry out and a pain in the butt. But yeah, um, I, it's more natural. I try to get in these bedding areas with heavy trails, and um, you know, this time of year, the DNR does plant quite a bit of food plots on um, um, Iowa here and the public lands. They're they're they do a dang good job, at least in my area, they do. So, you know, if you got a food source, especially beans, um, I try, I try to get back like the other day I set up on a, on a bean field on public. Um, but I seen signs of, you know, I seen an old mineral lick from the year or two before on the edge. And I thought, well, you know, if anybody's out, I don't want to get cameras stolen. I'm going to go back in. So I went to follow these tra- main trails coming into this bean field back in. Oh, probably 300 yards where a bunch of trails intersected, and I put cameras there just because, you know, I didn't want people finding my cameras up by the edge. So Yeah, still good, um, still good what's but, using that field, but kind of get a little more seclusion on yeah. your stuff. Uh, I, I know this spot I'm talking about, a friend of mine called me. Well, actually, it's where I killed my buck last year. The reason I kind of went there, a good friend of mine called, or I think he texted me, and he said, um, um, he goes, there's a, I seen 180 inch typical, um, this summer, <laughs> typical 10, 180. And he knows his deer. I mean, he's, he'd probably be right on the money and, um, in this area. And, um, he said, I told so-and-so about it, but he didn't want to go down there and haunt it. And so I thought I'd tell you, I said, hell yeah, I'll go in there. And that's when I went in there you know, about a week or so later and I shot that other one. But, um, so that's kind of one reason I set that up pretty good. In fact, I was just in there last weekend and set up a few cameras and to see if this buck survived, I didn't hear anybody <coughs> getting them last year. So, um, yeah, yeah you he, get that type of deer. You'd probably definitely hear if someone <laughs> yeah. got him down. Yeah. So yeah, I can't be pretty excited. I do got one cell cam up in there, but I haven't, we I haven't I've been picking up I think it's been about ten days out. I haven't picked up anything cell cam but um I know the bucks will start migrating in that area probably. There's a couple big bean fields and you know, the next month or so. So Nice. All right, man. Yep. Well I I appreciate you telling the story of the one that got away. Definitely a heartbreaking buck to to not close the chapter on, but man, you gave it your best and uh Sounds like you hunted him when you could in the best opportunities, and sound like you were close on multiple occasions. Yeah. So there's not much more you can do on that. And two years of sheds, and for him to just ghost you, you know, you need that that one more year, and you could have maybe put the pieces together. So, yeah, yeah, I've had a few big ones like that disappear. Um, yeah, there's some. Yeah, there was another couple big ones. I that one I was two or in the following year them 180s that there was one there he was just giant yeah but there was two of my something they both disappeared the following year i you know some box i've i've patterned box for six seven years on public land down here i got history of um i got sheds off one i think three years old four years old five i think six and then I had pictures of him when he was seven, and then I kind of quit hunting down in that area. Just it, we kept losing access to it. It was hard to 
access. I had permission to go through some private and just everything. They were shutting down, and I lost kind of access into that area. And, um, yeah, but it's pretty amazing, you know, some of the, you know, everybody thinks public land, you know, everything gets shot up. But, I mean, it, it, there's always good ones in Iowa. But still, you know, to get a buck at that age and just have history with them every year is kind of pretty amazing. But Yeah, um, we got one that we think's seven or eight for sure. Keeps mm-hmm. going downhill, keeps getting smaller. Was just the yeah. widest, biggest framed eight-pointer the, the second year we were on him. And then the, the next year he was decent nine-pointer. And then last year he was like a junk his G2 was like two <laughs> inches and still heavy mass. One side's good. The other side's really starting to fall apart. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. We think we got him figured out now. Just It takes us like three or four years on these deer to get a, a sight picture of running cams and <laughs> encounters and stuff to kind of oh, yeah. figure him out. <laughs> so Yeah, that's for sure. Yep. All, right. all right, Scott. We won't take up all your night, man. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, nice talking to you guys, and um, good luck this season. All right, guys. Well, don't get much better than that. A stone-cold whitetail killer who always gets it done, telling you the time that he didn't get it done. <laughs> With the hunting public, those guys are always out there getting it done, yeah. hunting the same buck, um, encountering the deer. They're all close in the game. They're both scooping sheds. Um, really good story. Kind of some ups and downs with the tr- the guy out there on the four wheeler and baiting. And yeah, when when he was talking about all that and hunting with them, uh, the hunting public guys, man, I just, I just envisioned like a little secluded pocket of timber and yeah. like they were both just like closing yeah, in on it. Yeah, just closing in on that deer. This deer didn't have a chance. And just like you know, just like all those other deer, you wonder how they survive, and then they just ghost him, and uh, you know the. The meaning of this whole series is to say, you know, the best the best in the world at killing whitetail still get beat sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, so like we always say, if you're brand new, just get into hunting. Or if you're a seasoned vet and you, like like us last year, just get your ass literally handed to you. These guys get their butt kicked every now and again, too. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of The One That Got Away. We love you guys. We hope you guys are enjoying this series. We're going to keep them coming. And uh, you guys are going to be blown away by the guests that we're going to be bringing. Um, Like always, try to do the right thing. Try to leave leave a legacy and try not to let the one get away this year.